welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and we are so excited for you to join us for another week here at the Radiant Podcast. This week, we have Jen Gibbs with us, author of She, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to meet her and hear her heart for women and just get to know her story. So welcome, Jen. Hi, Kelsey. I am so pleased to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. We're so pleased to have you. Seriously. (laughs) I would love if you just start by sharing also where you're from because you are our first Kiwi Mm -hmm. on the podcast. And um, your story, your heart behind your latest book, I would love for you to share it all. Okay. All right. Well, gosh, that's a broad remit. I'm going to, I should just waffle away and, and I'll probably pick up your American accent somewhere along. I have a habit of doing that when I'm chatting to people. I just sort of pick up the, the accents that I'm talking to. So well, I don't know I'll by the end of this. Say. I hope you can understand me. By the end of this, I'll probably be speaking with an American twang. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm from New Zealand and um, and I've, I've li- I was born and grew up here um, pretty much all my life. I do, I have written a book called She, which is the purpose of us chatting today. Um, and I... Um, yeah, I, I spent a bit of time in London. Uh, we were at Hillsong in London for a number of years, and we came back here, and we're now involved with the Life Church here, part of the Hillsong Network. Um, what I, um, yeah, the story. I guess the story behind she is is quite an interesting one, where it, um, you know, I grew up in the Salvation Army, so. I was um, a timber-wielding Salvationist. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, in America you see them always in the movies and they're standing on the street corners ringing a bell or something. Well, that was that was pretty much what I did growing up was, um, you know, being in the timbrel brigades and, um, and actually my parents were Salvation Army officers when I was young. And... Um, so I guess that informed a lot of my Christianity was was seeing my parents work as uh, Salvation Army officers and each of them would minister to congregations and each of them would pray, each of them would lead services and preach and um, each of them went to training college for the sort of requisite number of years in order to do so. And in the Salvation Army that wasn't an option. So I grew up seeing my parents, I guess, operate in this environment where there was no distinction made based on gender. Um, And in my childhood and teenage years, I I did things in the Salvation Army, like things Arsenal called, groups called like junior soldiers and um, corps cadets. It's all this army terminology. I don't know if you're sort of familiar with it, but (laughs) it sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, it's so intriguing because I'm not, I, I am not super familiar with like the inner workings of the Salvation Army. My mom volunteered at our local Salvation Army when I was little, but as uh, we weren't very much on the inner workings or anything. Yeah, so yeah, very yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just a bit of a different world, but I'm very, very good in terms of the the background that it gave me growing up. So I would learn about sort of Catherine Booth as much as I would learn about William Booth, the, the founder of the Salvation Army. So Catherine um, was William's husband and she was a very strong leader and a social revolutionary in her own right. And and she publicly advocated for equality. And, um, and then their daughter, Evangeline, I'm sorry, I'm giving you a bit of a history of the Salvation Army. I don't mean to. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Evangeline Booth was the first, um, she was she was seventh of, of eight children that they had, I can't even imagine it, um, but she was the first general, female general of the Salvation Army. So, wow. you know, while others were sort of debating the worth of women and whether women should even be given the vote at that time, the Salvation Army was very much sort of leading the way and, and not seeing any distinction based on gender. So um, I guess that I give that as a general background because it really informs, you know, the content of my book She. And um, you know, when I the, the second part of it, there was sort of the my background in the Salvation Army, but there was another piece of background which um, which really informed where this book started. And that was the story of when I was a, sort of a teenager. And I mention it sort of briefly in my book where as a teenager, I took my first overseas trip. 
and we went to Australia. I went with a family and um, uh, a friend and her family. They were gorgeous. They accommodated me with such generosity. But we went to, I, I sort of begged and begged them. This was when um, Hillsong was in its infancy. And I said, oh, can we perhaps go out to um, to Hillsong? And um, they lived oh, hours away from it. But they accommodated me. And we, were, we all trudged out together to the Hillsong Church. And um, and I saw this um, immaculately clad woman come out and preach, and she preached a sermon, and then we all trundled out, and, and um, you know, they got ready for the next influx of people. And um, then that night over dinner, now the family I was staying with was actually, he was the head of a Bible college there, and uh, it wasn't a Salvation Army one. It was, you know, it was just me being put into a different environment. And they, someone made a comment that night, oh, I guess it wasn't really a sermon, so it was more of a general talk, so I guess that's okay. And I sort of pricked up my ears at that point and I thought, oh, you know, they have, a, a, I guess, a, an issue with the fact that a woman had just preached a sermon at this church. And so we sat there debating it. I wasn't being a precocious teenager. But and I know I was taking taking on the head of a um, of a Bible college. You know, he had all the knowledge, and oh, I was crazy. But I was I was just genuinely curious and wanted to understand that point of view because it wasn't a point of view that I'd been exposed to before. And um, so I thought, well, did I have it all wrong? That was the question I had in my head. So I just sort of stayed up to the early hours of the morning and <laughs> studied all these scriptures to see what God said about it. And that, I guess, that moment was the beginning of she. Um, just a really, I guess I was naturally curious about the topic of, of woman in the Bible and God's heart for women because um you know, during my teenage years, my sister and I would just joke about it, that I would write the book and then she would preach the sermons from the book. And then I was quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, um, you know, it was just, I guess, quite a natural. God had put this book on my heart as a teenager. So wow. it's not a, Yeah. And that's where it sort of stemmed from. And, um, and it's not a book that I've sort of you know, clicked my fingers and it's appeared in a in a few months or anything. It's actually a book that's been on my heart since I was a teenager. And then God said, go. And so I just, I guess, obediently did what he said. And it's it's taken a while to get it out there. But, it, you know, it's very much a birthing process that my baby is out there now. Wow. So this has been like brewing inside of you for years. And you it did has. you just kind of know that you would write it at some point and the words would naturally come out of you at the right time? Or did you ever like at one point try to force it and write it all at once? Yeah. I think about these things with writing because I would like to write a book right uh, one day, but I, I yeah. know that this season I'm not in a writing season. Yeah, exactly. And you know when you are. Um, so although this particular book has been on my heart for for that long, um, writing has always been my thing, you know. So I I studied literature at university and, um, and I was always writing. I would always keep a journal. I would always, um, you know, like try my hand at different forms of writing and some of them are terrible. And, you know, like you just, it's funny with writing. Sometimes people think that you have to be immediately good at writing, you know, whereas any other art um, or artistic endeavour, you have to practice it, Right. Like right. think about painting or um, or dance or you know like anything like that. You actually have to hone the craft, and um, you know you, you suddenly you don't just sort of become a good writer in in an instant that you think you should write a book. You actually do have to practice and have some you know terrible writing so that you know what good writing looks like. Um, exactly. But so, yeah, but so far as um, when I knew to write this book, um, God just said go. And actually, although it had been in my heart for a very long time, I thought it wouldn't be a book that I would write until I was potentially, and this will sound crazy, 
but potentially retired. Um, once I had a PhD under my belt, you know, once I had the credentials wow. to write this book, but actually what happened was God said go and he brought it forward in my, you know, in my plan of things. And um, and I just had to, to be obedient with that and trust that, um, you know, he was going to write it with me. Oh, I am just so intrigued. So <laughs> I, I want to ask, even because of my experience, so I don't know if you've heard of um, The Belonging, but Henry and Alex Seeley um, from Planet Shakers uh, right. launched a church in Nashville, where I'm from, Nashville, okay. Tennessee. And he's been one of the probably most prominent female voices in the South. And that's kind of unheard of. I mean, you have some female Bible teachers like Beth Moore or Joyce Meyer, but they're not pastoring churches. And I remember having a conversation when this church first launched and uh, one of my friends had visited and I, uh, Nashville is a a city of artists and uh, it it blew up really fast. Um, But it's also in the South. And so the South is pretty conservative in the States. And um, for me, you know, the belonging was my kind of place. I just really loved the culture they created. It quickly exploded overnight. But I remember having a conversation with a friend saying like, oh, it was good. But, you know, and I was like, what? And he was like, well, y- you know, <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, well, there's a woman pastor. <laughs> and I was uh, like, oh, you're probably talking to the wrong girl. <laughs> I love and so, uh, uh, you know, it. it was really intriguing to me. And then I, I listened to, you'll have to listen to this interview because it was really cool. Um, and, and it was her that got um, the green, that hit the green card lottery. And she talked about her story of, you know, he could work anywhere. Right. But God really worked through her in leading this movement in this church in Tennessee. And he pastors it with her, but she's definitely the the, he might be the how and she's the wow, you know, yeah, and right. the, they're the face of it together. But you hear a lot about her um, and it, it has sparked some controversy, not major, but it's definitely different than what it is. Um, yeah. stateside churches are used to. But she t- she talked about in an interview, um, God really um, using her um, to change the tide of um church in the south and it was really cool i was really inspired have you found lashback from this book or you know i know that um in uh new zealand and australia it might have it y'all might be a little more um prone to seeing women lead churches or in leadership positions and we're kind of just now getting there here yeah Um, yeah what what kind of response have you gotten? Yeah, well, um, I think I think you're right. I think f- for me, um, the the message isn't so much um, a woman should be leading church. That is the the point of my book is God's heart for women, and right. that includes um, like building the map and um, and actually commissioning women. Like you think about um, you know Mary in the Bible, and she was the first one to see Jesus uh, rise. And she was the first one that God commissioned to actually tell the news, the gospel, the good news that he had risen, right? So he actually commissioned her to speak. And there are examples of this right through the Bible where, um, you know, the, the I think there have been, you know, some points of, of Paul's message that I guess will always be controversial and you just decide which side of the fence you sit on. But in, in New Zealand and Australia, to answer your question, we um, we are, I guess, in a, a bit of a bubble because we are exposed always to, to women um, preachers and pastors. We, you know, it's not uncommon. And um, I have had one reviewer of she um, who declined reviewing my book. She wanted to, um, and and you know she put her hand up to review it, and then she opened the book and she saw that I was advocating for women to speak, um, which is only like I say, it's only the smallest 
piece of my book. You know, there's so much else in there. Um, but she declined to review it for that reason, specifically for that reason. But I was, I was like, no, just review it because I, I actually want you to. I, I, you know, she didn't. But um, I think to have that conversation um, is, a, is a healthy thing. I think it's um, very healthy yeah. um, and, and really cool. Like my favorite um, kind of passage, I was just talking about it to um, a friend, but my favorite passage that you, or I've talked about it a couple times this week with friends, yeah. uh, where I was like, I loved where you talked about, you know, Mary sitting at Jesus's feet. Well, Paul yeah. sat at the feet of a rabbi when he was learning and that showed just how pro-women Jesus is because Mary's place would be in the kitchen. Martha was actually doing the appropriate thing and kind of trying to shoo her away to what was more culturally appropriate for what she should be spending her time doing. She should be spending her time serving, not learning. But Jesus clearly valued teaching her just like, you know, it is valuable for Paul to sit at the feet of a rabbi and learn. To yes. later go teach, it was valuable for Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus, not just to swoon over him, but to actually learn, which was kind of countercultural. I yes, love yes. what you had to say there. I mean, could you elaborate for people who haven't listened? I mean, yeah. this might. I'm excited for people to <laughs> go pick up your book after this. Yeah, well, I guess don't don't you love the way that um, like one one thing that came out of studying, um, you know. Uh, this story in particular was the way that Martha frames her question to Jesus. She says, Lord, don't you care that Mary has left me to do the work by myself? And so she's effectively saying, come on, Jesus, this is, this is your, you know, you need to do something about this because it's reflecting badly on, on our family. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so her complaint is as much about Mary's inaction and helping as it is about um, uh, Jesus' responsibility to do something about it and to and to keep the decorum right, you know. So um, that was really interesting. And and a lot of the time we point the finger at Martha, but ah, oh, later on in the story when um, you know when Lazarus is, has passed away and they come out and they meet Jesus and Jesus is late, but. Actually, Martha, at that point, it's really interesting. She calls him rabbi. And, um, you know, so she's acknowledging there that actually, Jesus, you can teach me too if you want to, you know. So she's sort of, I guess, come to terms. You see this, yeah. um, I guess, movement in Martha that, that no one really pays a great deal of attention to where she's moving from being concerned about Mary being at the feet of Jesus to this position where actually, Jesus, you're my rabbi too. Yeah. Um, so that that's a beautiful thing. Um, and, you know, in, in writing this book, before I wrote it, I had this, um, I had this just beautiful time just um, in prayer with Jesus. And I was, I was sitting on the couch in, in my uh, lounge and I was like, Ah, uh, you know, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> How's it all going to work, God? Um, you know, those sorts of prayers. And, um, you know, I just really felt that Jesus was offering me a place to sit at his feet. So, um, you know, and, and be taught. And I, you know, so that's actually a really personal um, revelation for me as, it, as much as it was for, um, for Mary and Martha. And I hope that as people read she, that actually it will be something that really speaks to them as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's speaking to me so much. I was, I I really, I love reading books um, like this because it spurs so much thought and so much conversation for me and my relationships. I end up talking about, (laughs) talking about it all the time. And so um, I've really enjoyed reading it. And I, one thing I've noticed is just like you um, just said here, you have so much compassion and grace for the misunderstood person in each story. So like Martha, Mm -hmm. she was doing what was totally culturally appropriate, but we kind of like scorn her for being Mm -hmm. the busybody. Um, and then Sarah, we only remember her for her bitter laughter at God, but you did a great job. I loved this line. I wrote it down. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, so what if faith is less about superhuman resolve to cope with everything life throws at us, less about the miracle at the end, and more about the tears and confusion in the middle while still yet believing? I, exactly. I love that because we do remember Sarah for laughing at God. But like, yeah. can you imagine <laughs> doing what she was asked to do, you know? Yeah. Exactly. It's that slow burn of faith, isn't it? And she, you know, Sarah, Sarah, um, I guess, you know, that, that whole, we, we, we all go through stuff, don't we? I mean, I share a bit of my journey and, and she, um, and so in, in that sense, it's a bit autobiographical where I just share some of my journey in faith, hope and love in those instances where God has really um, spoken to me personally about, you know, just, I guess, what this Christian life is all about and the essence of it. And it's that point where you can see that God is good. And, you know, often with Sarah's life, you don't see it. Like she doesn't see it. She doesn't see the promises of God. She doesn't see, you know, grandchildren appear where the promise has been that they would outnumber the stars and the sand, you know. Um, She doesn't see that. But then we see this um, this commentary in Hebrews later on where she's listed as one of the giants of faith. And, and we can see from the Bible, you know, if we just take that God's, um, God's view of things where we've got this, I guess, eternal perspective and we can look and we can say, look how faithful God was to Sarah. She didn't see it in her lifetime. But she's listed in the, in the, you know, the Hebrews Faith Hall of Fame, um, and we can see how God's faithfulness has extended through the entire text of the Bible from her life, and it's, you know, and and I guess that gives us faith in because we can say actually, you know, God is a good God, and we can look at, we can lean on these women, and we can lean on the faith that they had and the hope that they had and the expressions of love that they gave or received, you know? So I love it. I love the women. I, yeah, it's funny. They haven't, they haven't sort of grasped the imagination of a lot of, um, you know, uh, preachers or, um, or writers. And um, I, I can't fathom why. I think their lives are incredibly um, inspiring and not just in and of themselves. Like it's not a book, I guess she isn't a book that um, that is for the purpose of exploring these women's lives. Though originally when I started writing it, I thought that it would be. You know, I thought that this would be something that I would, I would research their lives and I would give cultural context and, um, and you know, insights into their time and place. For that purpose, but actually, what I discovered as I was writing it is that it's a book that reveals God's heart for women, mm-hmm. and it's it's a book that just expresses Jesus, and um, and that's quite a that's that's a big difference. So I lean on these women um, because they reflect God to me. Oh yeah, I mean to me, this book has highlighted so much of God's value and heart for women. I mean, you said it so well in. Um, kind of your section about Mary uh, Magdalene, she, I didn't even realize it, but she is mentioned more times in the New Testament than some of the apostles. Like, that is crazy. Um, And she was so dedicated to Jesus's ministry and he so valued her. And she, you know, I just think it's incredible. She's a legend. I love Mary Magdalene. Yeah. I think she's probably one of my favorites. You know, she's just this, um, she's a powerhouse. She yeah. was she was considered, you know, one of the main leaders um, in Jesus' closest circles. And, you know, here she is. She's bankrolling. He, she and Joanna, you know, and other women were bankrolling his mission. They were, they were the ones that yeah, were. Yeah, the original sort of, kingdom-minded girl and, bosses. Yeah, they were enabling all this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And wow. we've got them right in front of us, but we just sort of, you know, we haven't sort of picked up on that. And I think it's really cool because I think, um, oh, there's there's just a wave of understanding God's heart for women. Like I, it's funny, there was a, a guy that um, emailed me just the other day and he said, oh, here's another book. It's really similar to yours. Um, I hope you're okay about it or something like thinking that I would be worried about it. Um, 
same, there was another book that was launched that was very similar to mine. And I was, I was just so excited. I'm like, yes, thank you, God, because, yeah. you know, actually you're doing what you said you would do. And he promised that, um, that I wouldn't be a lone voice in, in talking about the woman of the Bible and his heart for women, that he would, that there would be just this, I guess, tsunami of, of um, his, his heart just um, coming from lots of different voices and different um, people speaking it out. So I was just really excited that this is what God's doing. I, I mean, it's really neat to see, A, you're not threatened by someone else putting something out in your category. And I end up having conversations a lot about this. It's really cool to see women who are not threatened by other women's success. Yeah. But, but you also are dead on in the sense of like, that is more hearts and more lives that are touched by a message that God intends to share. Yeah, and that exactly. is really cool. I bet you, I mean, this is your world. So like what are some that you um, have seen with the progress of God showcasing his heart for women with these books that are launching it being talked about more and more often? Um, What's something you've noticed in kind of this niche? Well, I think... um I think there's a real need for it. I mean, in in all its forms. I mean, what you guys are doing at Radiant is all about that heart, right? Um, and it and it comes in all different forms. So there might be, um, you know, other books that are are written and podcasts and magazines and you know whatever form that comes in. Um, there's a, there's just a you know a desperate need um, for this message of of actually. You know, you are loved. You are adored by God. You know, He can't help but love you. He's the that that blows my mind. He's the God that can do anything. He, um, and yet He can't not love us. And you know, that blows my mind. What is that? Um, and I think that message of just um, that He commissions us, that we can actually be really confident in what He gives us to do, um, and we can stand in the authority that we've been given and that's fine you know and I think it's a message not just for people who are struggling but people who are excelling and succeeding um that they just know that um that God's got their back I guess (laughs) um you know that that they are worthy to do what they've been called to do yeah well I I mean I just it's really exciting for me to see this. I love like, you know, getting exposed to even your book and, and knowing there are more resources like this out there because this is really valuable to me. I mean, I I think God values women so much. I grew up with parents who told me I could do anything I wanted and I believed it. Um, yeah, and I'm so yeah. thankful <laughs> God gave them a piece of his heart when they, you know, believed in me. And I really think that was a God-ordained thing and and instilling in my parents to to really, you know, tell me I could do anything I wanted. Um, And and that that is exciting, but it's also a little bit freaky. It's like, oh, my gosh, like my parents were the same. And and I grew up thinking, like, well, they kept telling me, Jen, you're going to be the Prime Minister of New Zealand one day. And, and I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, it's like it opens so many doors for you where you have that permission to do anything. And we do. We can we can actually we have the tools and facilities these days to just do whatever we like. Um, but it's just, I guess, hearing that voice of God and when he says go, just being faithful in what you're called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did that look like? I mean, I, I know that you said at some point he said go. What did that look like for you? I mean, you have three kids, right? Three? I do. I have and three so children. Yes. I'm sure you don't just have uh, countless hours of free time a day to write. So um, what did that look like for you? Oh, my gosh. It is. It was. And it still is utter chaos. It was just <laughs> crazy. I honestly, there have been days I've just been going, I've, I just don't know how I'm going to get through today because I, like, I've literally had to write my run sheet for the three days so that I kind of get through everything. But, um, yeah, no, everything's just a mad scramble. And, uh, 
you know, with three kids in tow, you you just um, you have to fit things around them. There's no getting around it. There are sleep times, there are drop-off times um, where I can get work done, and I've been very, very, very disciplined in that. So whenever they are um, sleeping or at school or kindy, wherever they are, um, I dedicate it to writing time. Um, or to, you know, it's that sort of morphed now into um, book launching time, <laughs> um, wow. which is a, a different beast again. But um, it's, yeah, it's just constantly, like, I guess I live for this book because I know that there are messages in here that just need to get out. So I'm constantly thinking, okay, well, what's next, God? What's next, God? And, um, and just doing um, you know, what he says to do. But, I mean, it's crazy. I think, um, you know, when God says go, you know, what's that like? You said it's like, well, it's completely and utterly uncomfortable. You know, I I, I didn't think I would write this book until I had a PhD. I, I said that before. And, um, yeah. and um, so that was a huge source of discomfort for me. And I, I'm the person who researches everything, like absolutely everything. And so you should have seen how long it took me to cite on the paper for this book, you know. Like it's just <laughs> I research, research, research. It's crazy. Um, and, and you know, I bring in a lot of um, literate, literature so because that's my background. So I bring in, you know, the sort of heavenly heights of Dante and the, and the sort of the ground, ground um, you know, more tangible uh, work of Dostoevsky and but I I pack it you know sorry I'm going on a tangent but I package it in a way that's really accessible so and but originally you know my husband looked at it and um and I'm a geek I could nerd out over middle English forever um <laughs> and I my husband read it and he was like Jen you love this stuff but it's so boring <laughs> so you know we we sort of yeah, have to run with run with that advice, and and the um, you know the finished product is is not boring. It's very accessible, but um, I did do it, end up putting a lot of things in my end notes and references to sort of make it more interesting. But um, you know, so you can dive deep into it if if you want to. Um, but you know, often God calls us to those things that are beyond us, and I guess that's although it's utterly uncomfortable. Um, those things that are too big or too scary for us to do alone. Um, he does it precisely so that we rely on him. I'm convinced of that. I think that, um, you know, he's, he is, if he calls you to something, then he's, he's faithful to, to bringing it to fruition, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, well, I was just thinking about, um, you know, if he if he calls you to something, he he compels you to it, and um, you know that there's this. I guess it's that discomfort, but it's also that insane business, like we were talking about. Um, yeah, it's just. I I remember just saying to God one time, I said, "How can I write anything cohesive when at worst I'm getting five minutes to write, and at best I'm getting two hours?" Like I was just at the point because my son had been born and he had reflux and so he wasn't sleeping blah 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 blah. um and I'm like I was just so utterly frustrated but you know we can trust in God's timing and um and there was this one instance where I was writing about um uh I would because I because I reference everything and I wanted to get to the primary source of this quote that I'd used so I'd seen it referenced in another book and I wanted to get to the primary source and it happened to be Soren Kierkegaard which um that like a Danish philosopher guy but if you oh my gosh his works like literally the books I could barely carry them they were so big and thick and heavy and I was like how am I going to get to the source? I had no idea. And I just, you know, time was just so precious and I just wasted an entire hour looking for these, this one quote. And I see, I just let it, I knew the ticking time bomb of Luke was about to wake up and I just, just threw out this prayer to God. And I said, God, I can't find the quote and I really need to find it today to stick to my deadline. Blah, blah, blah. And anyway, I just opened the book and there, like, there were two volumes. I opened one of them, and the page just flicked open, and there was the quote. You know, like, in all How our crazy, God. Isn't, 
Isn't that amazing? I know. And and all of this busyness, he totally gets it. And he's going to help us and he's going to direct us. And we can just trust his timing in it. So, um, yeah. But uh, the, the other thing I was just going to point to as well was the, the fear factor. I don't know if you oh, yeah. sort of can relate. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, just that fear, like we're um, – that self, like for me, it was a lot. There was a lot of self talk. So, who are you to be doing this? You know, that sort of voice in my head right. going, you know, who are you to be writing a book or, you know, to be for you, I guess, who are you to be, um, you know, doing what you do? You know, it's just, it's awful, but it, it can play in your head. And, and, um, the other one was, oh, you know, you're going to look ridiculous. That was, you know, that was the other fear was you're going to look ridiculous in this. And I just remember, the week before I launched and I called my sister Becky and she's in Australia. She lives in Australia. She's driving a car and I'm like, Becky, I'm not going to launch my book. You know, I don't think I can publish it. And, um, and she was, she just immediately, as, I was, as she was driving, she just prayed and she just um, prayed that I would hear God's voice in it. And it was just a very simple prayer, but immediately I just felt peaceful and, um, you know, and went straight back to sleep. You know, like it was, it was actually, it actually just was a voice that needed to be quiet and uh, quiet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as God does, he's really great at sort of sneakily putting courage into you. And I, I hopped off the phone from Becky and I, and I happened to like look at a post from Bobby Houston and she was quoting T.D. Jakes and she said, um, What's the quote? If you listen to your fear, you'll bury your talent. So bury your fear and expose your talent. Oh, that is and good. Isn't that awesome? And yeah. I, you know, God just has these ways of putting courage into you when you need it. And it's funny um, with the whole fear thing. I think, you know, that the instruction that we get in the Bible most frequently out of every instruction is fear not. And, and I just think, you know, God puts so much emphasis in the Bible of saying, fear not, don't fear, because he knows the extent of fear's reach when we listen to it. Right. And, um, You've gone to something. Yeah. yeah I know. Sorry. I, I sound like I'm preaching. Um, I love <laughs> this it. This is not I'm a preaching like, podcast. I'm feeling great today. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like when, when you've been fearful of certain things along the journey, um, you know, you can be sure that, that he will, if he calls you to it, then he's going to walk with you through it. And, you know, those fears actually turn into this kind of adventurous track with him. It's not sort of, um, you know, when you get his perspective, suddenly things just transform. And, and what, what once you were fearful of, um, you can now just see as this crazy adventure. Yeah, and exposing it makes its power um so much more diminished you know when we talk about like we all have these fears of like imposter syndrome or I'm not credible enough I often struggle with like ah when I'm like 35 people will take me more seriously like I probably sound (laughs) young or whatever um I I struggle with fears every day but when we talk about it and realize we all kind of deal with these fears in some capacity yeah you know, um, it just, it really takes away the power they have, those those lies have over us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what it's like. That's what, you know, I mean, you will have, you would have sort of, you've done your own journey, but you will have sort of moved in these same sort of um, patterns and thought processes and things to get to, to launching Radiant, I guess. Oh, yeah, totally. And even every, every new launch comes with its new set of fears, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like, well, okay. Now they're just like, eh, no, you guys don't carry any weight. But, I mean, even fear of failure, you know, before I just launched, I launched an e-course, you know, a month ago. And I, before that, I was like, every entrepreneur fails at something. What if this is my big failure? <laughs> You know, like, what if this is the story I tell for the next 20 years of my big failure? (laughs) Oh, 
Oh no. So, no, no, no. It's, but you're right. With every with every new thing, there's a whole new you think you've just dealt with one and then something else comes yeah. out. It yeah. is like we need to I mean, it's just it's really encouraging to talk about it too because it really does take away the power. And we see we more um clearly see you know the the ploys of the enemy and they really don't hold any power like god is so much bigger and he called us to it so he's going to equip us yeah exactly well man i feel it i'm feeling encouraged come come hang out with me every day (laughs) you have another book in the works are you working on it right now it's kind it's been kind of tabled but i'd love for you to tell us about it yeah yeah sure so yeah I've always it's funny I'm, I'm sort of someone who always has a few things on the go at once um <laughs> but no she's very much my focus at the moment um okay. but I I do have um well it's funny with she it sort of morphed into a um a bit of a bible study as well and so I I got a group of, of girls together in my lounge and and we just sort of nutted out together all the questions that come at the end, that like the self-reflection questions that come at the end of each chapter in she. Um, and so out of that dropped a question of one of the one of the churches in Australia doing it as their Bible study. She says to me, oh, um, I don't suppose you'd be able to put some videos together for us, would you? And, of course, I blindly said yes, not realising um, sort of the extent of the work that would be involved. <laughs> And it was just just typical of me. And I'm like, yeah, of course we can do these videos. And so I've just finished um, sort of putting those videos together. I've got a a series of four videos that we just, honestly, it was hilarious. I just, by the grace of God and the help of some very good friends who um, put their time and expertise uh, into it, so those videos have have just sort of been launched and launched. and they're just free. They're just a free resource for any church or groups wanting to do it as a as a group study. Um, so that was that project done. So that was my sort of my big um, my big hurdle. I think we ended up doing it and just oh gosh, it must have been about a four week process from start to finish. And um, yeah, it was just crazy. It was so much fun, but it was crazy. Oh, you should have seen us. We had like a makeshift tripod made out of a like a stool and some <laughs> magazines you know we didn't have it was just but they, the, the end product is amazing oh, oh cool. I, yeah so that's just finished and um in terms of my other books yes I've got um I've got a series of children's books at my sleeve uh which I've purposely shelved until I've you know, properly launch she, um, but they are gorgeous, and uh, I really, really love them. They're they're set around a central character called um, Whimsy Primsy, and they're not Christian um, overtly, but they have Christ- Christian themes and messages, um, oh, cool. sort of that that come through, um, and very much about this Whimsy Primsy sort of. The first one is called um, Runs Her Race. So it's about her just finding her lane and, yeah, it's really gorgeous. Um, yeah, and I've got a um, another non-fiction on the go, which is different in tone to she. It's like she is weighty and um, so researched and, and, um, and biblical, right? So there's, you don't want to say anything that's um, <laughs> sort of not thoroughly substantiated um whereas this other non-fiction book I've got is um just light and hilarious like it's 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 very autobiographical but um but they are just completely different in tone uh, oh, again this I know I love yeah. them I love she so I'm sure I'm gonna oh. be right so. <laughs> yeah and the other one I've got up my sleeve is a work which is um it's probably my least developed piece but uh it's shaping up to be something quite special I think so I'm quite excited about it um and that is intertwining sort of a a current um story a a story that's happening today um with a story uh, a love story that happens in the past and um yeah, and it's. I think it's going to be a good one. I'm quite excited about that. So yeah, we've got a few things going you on. Are a multitasker over here. In, 
Yeah, it's, it is. It is. This is my life, right? I mean, yeah. this morning it was so funny. My, um, I because I get up and go to the gym usually at six o'clock, and the alarm went off this morning, and we all slept in, and we woke <laughs> up at seven thirty. And my daughter's my daughter had a um had a uh, like a, a school breakfast on at seven forty-five. <laughs> so, out the door. So, Oh, exactly. We're pretty much in our pajamas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's okay. I pretty much work in my pajamas all the time. Uh, leggings yeah. And a t- leggings and a shirt, but that's about as good as it gets around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Got to be careful. Wow. So who would you say, like, as an author, obviously, and it sounds like you read a ton, um, by um as we've chatted about all the philosophers we <laughs> you've studied what who are authors that have influenced you well um yeah i do read very broadly i um i i will quite happily sit down and read a um you know a I'm going to say a chiclet, but I'm not sure if that's a term that you would yeah, use. Like, do you? like <laughs> I, I mean, essentially like chick literature, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't heard so that, I, but I like it. There we go. Yeah, so I would quite happily sit down and, and you know, read a, a nice um, happy romance or a, um, you know, as, as happily as I would sit down and, and read something like Dostoevsky. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, um, I am a very broad reader. Um, but the, the people that have influenced me in she um, would I I love reading Philip Yancey. I think he writes in sort of a journalistic approach to Christian topics. And um, do you, have you read any Philip Yancey? Or I haven't, but I I think I have him on a specific list of like who I need to check out because yes. the list always it's just a running list. There's always someone. oh it totally is. There's so <laughs> many people I still like even though I read broadly. There's so many people I want to read, oh, but no. I purposely I purposely didn't read any of his while I was reading um, while I was writing she because. Yeah, it's it's this whole accents thing, right? Um, I pick up people's voices in my head, and I'm like, I can't read Philip Yancey because I would want to imitate how he writes. So I'm quite looking forward to picking up a Philip Yancey book. We're heading into holidays here, so um, you know, summer holidays. So not only is it Christmas, it's the end of the year, and you know, we're all sort of. So I need to get my my reading list sorted because we're about to go away on sort of a good four week break. Oh, how um, nice! Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. Yeah, so I'll probably take a Yancey away with me. I I love Jenny Allen. Um, yeah, oh, she yes. her anything and restless. Um, you know, she's such a lovely heart. And um, Anne Spangler was somebody who um, who she she I mentioned her in she um, and she heavily influenced the chapter on on Mary. Um, and, you know, Mary at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And some of her revelations in that book, it was Lois Wurtberg, I think she wrote it with. And, you know, I, oh, there's just so many. In the Christian world, those those would be the ones that I'm sort of uh, most heavily influenced by, I think. Well, I'm excited yeah. because I need to get on Amazon and buy some books, it sounds like. Where, <laughs> where can um, everyone find your book? Because I know well, people are going to love you. Well, yeah, it's available on Amazon right now. Okay. So, um, yeah, I I did a separate print run for New Zealand and Australia because for us, the cost of postage from Amazon just makes the book really expensive. So, um, but it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle and iBooks as Perfect. well. So, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, we will link it, of course, in the show notes because Aww. you guys will love it. I love it so much. Um, I really oh, have awesome. enjoyed chatting with you. So if as we go, if you had one piece of advice you would like to um, share with our listeners, um, maybe some are aspiring, uh, aspiring writers or just walking with Jesus, what would you um, have to say? Yeah, I well, oh gosh, <laughs> I would say number one would be run in your own lane. So you know when we, um, 
I guess I did it for years. I used to be in project management. It was very, like, I was... Um, I was on some amazing projects, both in London and in, and in Auckland here. and um, But it was never really me, although I happened to be good at it. And I happened, you know, like I, it was, it was good, but it was never, it never really gelled with me properly. And I think, you know, we can sort of look to the left and the right and see what other people are doing and go, oh, I wish I was doing that or I wish I was doing and, and actually, you know, when you run in your own lane, you know that, you know, you're in your zone and there's nothing else you'd rather be doing. And um, so number one would be run in your lane. And um, I guess the second one would be the whole fear thing. Don't listen to the fear. Yeah. yeah feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, trust, um, trust God in your dream, I guess. Um, yeah, because... You know, he places these dreams in our hearts. Um, and this is, I'm sorry, I'm pausing because I'm thinking of a verse. I think it's Thessalonians 5 something, 24. Um, and it says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So, you know, and I've, and I've sort of clung to that verse where he's called me to this. He's called you to what you're doing. Um, and He's, he's going to be faithful to seeing that come to fruition. So the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Oh, man, Jen, I, I, those are great takeaways for me today. I am just so glad we got to chat. What an encouraging conversation. Oh, Han, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and for chatting to me about this. It's just, I mean, you can tell it's my baby, right? I'm oh, so excited yes. about it. <laughs> What a joy, and until next time. What a joy it was to chat with Jen. You guys will have to grab a copy of her book, She at Amazon, and find her on Instagram, Facebook, her website, and more. As always, you can keep up with Radiant on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Radiant Magazine, um, and RadiantMagazine.org. We love keeping up with you guys. And if you love this podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. It really makes a difference. Your voice matters, and we are so thankful you're part of our Radiant tribe.